Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Coffee. I'm Jess. And I'm James. So we've been gone for two weeks now, and we didn't record a podcast for two weeks now, because we were, or is it three weeks? And then this is the third week. Yeah, because we were on vacation for two Saturdays. Is that right? Or one mm-hmm. Saturday? Two Saturdays. And then right when we got back the weekend after, we went camping. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been gone for a bit, enjoying the last few days of summer before it it officially transitions over into fall. Yeah. We've had a nice warm couple of weeks here. And now it's foggy and rainy. I feel like the last time we recorded, I think a thunderstorm was happening outside. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so we just record on cloudy, rainy days. Yeah, it's a good indoor raining activity, but I'm happy to be back. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So to clue everyone in uh, why we were gone, yeah, like we mentioned, we were out the Pacific Northwest, um, Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, whole road trip for like 10 days. It was my first time out there. Um, and I really, really loved it. I have a bunch of friends that are dotted along, you know, Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver. So I got to visit all of them. We got to have more like local recommendations. We got to bike around. We got to stumble into stuff, find some really good food. I, I fell in love with both, with like all the cities, but specifically like Portland and Vancouver. I can see why people love them very yeah. much. Yeah. I've been spending the last few days trying to like blog about each and every day Mm -hmm. of our trip uh and it's been fun like I feel like right when we got back from the trip I kept on asking you like hey what did we do like on the first day the second day and I think it was like kind of a fun exercise to recall the different activities we did yeah every single day and then I'm kind of doing that again right now as I write up a blog of everything we did for each and every day of our trip and it's been a really fun experience it's a little bit tedious but I think after I like finish a post and I read it back I'm like oh I'm glad that I did this so it's been pretty fun yeah and you're you're you've always been like a bit of an archivist right so like you know in the past since I've known you it's always been like a video blog like a vlog and you always put stuff up on YouTube that are like recapturing parts of the trips. And um, I think you're taking a little bit of a break from that and doing like writing blogs instead. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun. I mean, I keep like a Excel spreadsheet and, you know, just just only write down the, the name of the thing that we're doing. And it's been really exciting seeing the archival of like our actual activities. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate you doing that because I'm already starting to lose bits of it. Yeah, so I've been like, I guess I'm experimenting in different ways of archiving what we've done. So I feel like even before the YouTube videos, it literally is just like looking at your Instagram feed of the random snapshots and stuff that you took while you're on vacation. And that's one way to archive Mm. like the trips that you've gone on and the things that you did. And then I started doing YouTube videos. So our Alaska trip, I recorded a video for every single day that we did in that trip. And then even when we went to Chicago, I made a video of that. When we went to Banff with your family, I made a video on that. And then I just remember I brought my video camera when we were on the trip, but I didn't even like take it out or record any video at all. 
I think I went into it with the mindset of like, oh, I wanted to do like what we did in Alaska and record a video for every single day. But then when we were actually out, like our first stop was in Portland. And I remember when we first landed, we wanted, we were like kind of tired and hungry. So we went to go out to a cafe and every moment I was like, oh, I should take my camera out and record this or I should bring my camera, you know, take it out of my backpack and bring it with me. There was something inside of me that was like, I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. I started thinking more about the video instead of mm-hmm. being present and like just being able to experience the city uh, with you. And I just ended up just leaving the camera at home. And instead I was just recording like a small snippets of photos and videos on my cell phone. And I was kind of battling within myself because I really, really wanted to make a video of this trip. But then like everything in my bones was like telling me not to bring the camera because it's going to like remove you from being present in the trip. And at the end of it, and I think every single day we did so many cool, interesting things. And I was doing like Instagram stories of it, but I still wanted to like create some sort of archive of what we did in more of like a story format like those YouTube videos, because when we watch the Alaska videos now, and that happened like two or three years ago now, when I look back and watch it, I'm like really happy that I recorded it and I could like remember all of the cool things that we did. Cause I would tell you like right now, I can't remember every single detail of everything we did on that trip, but I'm glad we had those videos so I could go back and see it. And then we watched them and we're like, oh yeah. Exactly. And I didn't want to lose that from our trip. So I'm happy that I was able to be present. So I was like, hey, I should just like take all the photos and videos I collected and just like write up blog posts, like mm. old school style, like, you know, uh, written blog posts. And and, the days of blogging. Exactly. And I'm in the process of redesigning my website already. And this is before we went on, on the trip and I had this whole like journal section of it. So it's not live on my website right now. But once I finish all these blogs, I'm going to like launch my new website that has the entire like blog section of it. And yeah, like that's where all these posts are going to go. And I felt like this is the best way to archive this trip versus, you know, the past ones. I think the YouTube videos are great, but this is a format that worked better to allow me to actually like be in the experience and archive it at yeah. the same time. It's so interesting because like the whole trip, I had like no desire to take my phone out either. Um, and I'm usually like the, you know, the Instagrammer. Like I really enjoy catching snippets, but I felt really protective for some reason about the trip and the time and i think if it wasn't for your instagram stories that i would just like repost i don't even know if i would have shared anything you know and it's so interesting because like my favorite parts of the trip were seeing my friends and i have zero photos i I just forgot to take photos of my friends i felt kind of crappy after i'm like i have all these photos of food but none of the friends, like friends, some friends I haven't seen in like over a decade, right? Yeah. But I just like forgot to take that photo, but you know, it lives in me. And I'm, I'm not really sure why I feel, I felt, I don't know why protective is the word that's coming to, but I felt like I really wanted to hold things close and like an urge to be private. Yeah, you wanted to maintain a little bit of privacy yeah. with some of the stuff that yeah. like, especially if they're moments that we hold dear to our hearts. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm actually, I, I think we were having this conversation before. I grapple with whether or not, like where on the spectrum of public and private I am. I'm constantly posting stories 
you know I, I think I'm definitely more public than you on like my Instagram and I'm constantly like sharing who I am on in my stories so you know um, people are always a little bit abreast of what's going on in my life but I actually feel I'm I'm quite a private person and we were having this conversation talking about the blog about like oh if you don't share it with somebody did it even happen right if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it did that tree fall yeah you know um and i was thinking about you know before social media like or back in my day like before social media um was around like i was heavy into blogging and blogging was the social media you had blog roles i had lifelong friends that i've made in different parts of the country just because we happen to find each other's blogs and i've always been a blogger that prefers to put my stuff out there but then i would also turn off my comments and i turned off my tracker and it's like i try to journal privately but it's not the same as writing something and publishing it and so um, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I just think this like in- interesting tug of war between how public do I want to be as a private person and how private do I want to be as a public person, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess I could give like my thoughts around why I mentioned that, like if you don't share it, like did it even happen? And what I was telling you about the blogs and all that stuff is, is I was writing them more for me. Mm to remember them versus for other people. I just happened to make them public for anyone to to read. But the thing is, if you, you know, write all this stuff down and you basically just keep it to yourself and you don't share it with your friends or you don't even like tell your kids when you eventually have kids like, Mm. oh, you know, we went on this trip, this and this happened. And like, you don't share those stories with other people and you basically like die with all those stories. I guess that's that's where I was going with like if a tree falls in the forest like did it even happen mm-hmm. and to me I think right now in this moment I'm writing them for myself so that I could remember them later but there is a part of me that also wants to be able to share it like you know when yeah. we have kids or something like that like we have this like record of what we did on this trip it was like a really awesome trip that we had together and these are the things that we did and there's like pictures and like descriptions of everything that we did there that's there i think it's also like a little bit different because you know a lot of people will just keep those stories in their head and then when the time comes when they're like you know grandpa or grandma (laughs) in the rocking chair like they'll recite the story and tell it to their kids but i feel like the details there's a lot of details that get lost when you keep it in your head um and in some ways i even find that some of the details like get morphed a bit like you kind of like smooth over the edges and in some ways like fill in gaps of stuff that actually didn't happen Hmm. uh, on the trips which is why when I was telling you I was writing these it's not like um, I'm not trying to weave together like a whole story I'm like literally describing like this and this happened this like objective note taking exactly exactly like what happened like we went to this place I ordered this you ordered that Hmm. then after that we went here it's not like you're gonna read it and it's gonna be like this like literary. I, I was woven. thinking that I remember waking up in the morning and blah okay. So it's actually just like very objective observing note taking. Yeah, um, it's like we did this uh, literally afterwards archival. we went over here, we drove over there. Um and 
I think it's and it, that's right. I think it's more for me to like remember what we did, so mm-hmm. I don't lose those like, little details if I wanted to remember it. I think no matter what, our memory is going to store like the the milestone moments in that trip of like, oh, this was like something I'll never forget that happened in that trip. Those are the things that your brain's going to log. But then you never know, like in between those details, like mm-hmm. you know, next time we go to Seattle, we're going to be like, oh man where was that place where we had the amazing fish taco i remember we had these fish tacos but now Mm. i like forget what the name of the place was and that happens all the time whenever i go back to places where uh i remember we're going back to vancouver and i was trying to remember like the coffee shop that i went to where i tried you know a single bean like brewed three different ways and the only way i was able to remember it was to go back into google maps and see like what they had like bookmarked in there Mm. and I want to like remove that friction of like remembering stuff. It's like, oh, I I was in Vancouver once. Go back into the vlog and like mm. see like the time I was in Vancouver, and then all that stuff will be there. So that's kind of like the optimistic ideal of of where I'm going at with vlogging. But I think the general idea is that I'm like writing it to remember it for mm. myself later. And it, I think it's different when you're writing for yourself versus writing for other people. Yeah, like I'm not writing this to like for someone else so that when they go on our trip they right. can literally just like copy everything we did like that's not why i'm writing it i'm writing it for myself but i'll make it public and if other people do happen to like stumble across it and want to try out the places that we did they can that's cool um two two thoughts kind of opened up when listening to you one was a memory of a class i took in college and i had this sociology professor who was talking about language and just how um, important language is to memory and like just the human so- like society and human experience overall, but for specifically to memory. And he was saying that like the human brain experiences so much stimuli like all the time. And it's, you know, there's constant in and out, right? And when we don't have a name for something, or rather, what he said is when we when we name something is when a passing experience anchors itself into a memory, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have all of these feelings and you know whatever, but if you have no name for that feeling, it actually just passes through you and then it's gone. So to to name something is to anchor it in memory and i'm not really sure where that connection is but i just feel like that's also what you're doing with these with these blogs and these videos and all of your like you know various archival is if we don't take action on it and like try to pull it out of the sky and anchor it into something it will eventually fade yeah the second door that opened when i was listening to you is that like i'm i'm kind of a person that like i have no actual archives of my past like I've always kept photos but they were digital and then I you know my computer would always burn down or catch a virus and so I lose all of my photos and I lose all of my writing and I I I have a constant like pattern of like losing my art losing my writing having to just throw away volumes of stuff and it's very interesting what that does to your memory if your memory isn't like great yeah you know so uh yeah i don't know it's pretty powerful no that that brings up a good point because when i was writing my blogs um a lot of the stuff that we did in portland i was recalling things that i did in my previous trip when i was in portland and i actually went back into my archive of photos 
from Portland from your first Portland trip and I, it's a mess like the organization is a mess because these are like you said the photos we take now are on our like phones and the phone the photos I had from that trip were like two phones ago like two iPhones ago and the way I kind of save my photos to make sure they don't get lost when I change phones is I just download the All entire right. thing into my, uh, my like archive computer mm-hmm. it's unsorted it's like literally like as if you're just going into the photos app a folder with all the photos but i was able to find photos from that trip like i found the photos of when i did the nike run club with kevin kevin hart showed up and i was like literally front row like i took a bunch of pictures of kevin hart when i was writing my blog i was like oh like I recall, like, when I took Jess to that fount- the Bill Nido fountain, the last time I was here was when I did that run with Kevin Hart. I think I have a photo of that. Mm. I, like, went into my archive computer, and I was able to find it. And, like, there's a little bit of joy that comes with, like, mm. oh, my God, like, I was able to find that photo. And to me, the archiving sets up, like, you know, future James, like, little moments of joy like that when I, like, recall something and I'm able to find that moment again and bring mm. it back. Like another photo I brought up, and I'm bringing these photos into these blogs too. Um, remember, we went biking over the Tillicum Crossing. Uh, I remember one of my, tri- I think it was my first trip to Portland. Literally, I so that was when I was training for the marathon and I was like running. So I was like, oh, I need to continue training while I'm on vacation. I went on a run and I went to that Tillicum Crossing bridge and literally the bridge opened the day before mm. I, I ran across it. Wow. And I found the photo of myself like standing in front of the bridge and all that. And it was like, you know, dated yeah. and everything. And I was like, oh yeah, like the the fact that I was able to bring that up and I bring in that photo, um, I want to create more of those moments. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the more I archive now, then later on, like I'll be rewarded with being able to yeah. you know, pick up those little moments of joy. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I think I'm like grateful because I, it's because of this like compulsion to archive that I'm a hundred percent sure is in your DNA. Like I, I see, I see threads of it in your family. Like you have a family of archivists, and I'm pretty sure, like ancestrally, you guys were like archivists. But like, I feel that um, I'm really grateful for that because I feel like I'm anchored in some kind of history and like linear narrative now, right? Like all during COVID. The pandemic like we archived what we did at home and it allows us to remember that we actually had these like beautiful moments in a sea of just like global chaos you know yeah. and while you were talking i was trying to figure out what tendencies i have when i take video or capture things like because i don't I don't actually think I try to ca- I capture milestone moments. I'm not like, hey, let's stop for a picture because we're at this bridge. And hey, like, let's pose because I'm with my friends. Like the moments where I'm like compelled to pull out my phone is when I think something is like overwhelmingly aesthetically beautiful, such as a plate of food. <laughs> right? yeah. Or um, I-, I think a lot of it has to do with like the connection between like the visual in front of me and like the emotion that I'm feeling when we went camping like the one memory that I have and and that I captured on camera is well two memories no I'm sorry three the three memories that I have that I actually like decided to capture one was the dinner that we had where it was kind of like my dream of just having like a table full of our friends and all of us like eating 
Korean meat with our hands in a circle, just talking like, you know, that to me was like such a beautiful core memory that I stopped in the middle of cooking and like took a picture. The second memory was when the sun was coming through the trees and there were all those little like bugs flying around. Yeah, there was bugs hovering around the leaves of the trees. And like their wings looked like a dream. And that is like a memory. And then the third was when, you know, and this is always my favorite part of camping. It's when you unzip your tent in the morning and you just have that like early morning, quiet, sunlight, nature. I don't know, nothing feels like that. And so I don't like, I know the friends there, I know the conversations had, the fire pit was amazing, but like it's those moments I feel compelled to capture and remember. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's such an interesting like, you know, difference in how we choose to archive and memorize our experiences. Yeah, I think that was an interesting part. And I think why, I think for our Pacific Northwest trip, the written blog is the best thing to do mm -hmm. because there's so many moments that, yeah, I didn't get a photo of it or I didn't get a video of it. Um, and then even with the photos I did capture when I'm like looking at them, the computer, like, you know, I'm in photography and all that stuff. And I was looking at some of the photos and I was like, oh, this like, is a photo. Good. Like, yeah, like uh, this did capture what we did, but it's like not a beautiful, like high quality, like It's photo. not a photographer's photo. Yeah. And some of them are just like blurry just because it was like too dark yeah. and it was, you know, it's on the cell phone mm. and I don't have like the latest iPhone that has like beautiful resolution or whatever. But in the end, like, hey, if that goes into a blog, like, I don't know, in my quality mind, that's fine. And it's great because it's not about the high quality photo. It's more about like just reliving the experience. And then I also have the ability to like whatever I didn't record or take a photo of, that's what's You can fill in the blanks. In. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I also think it's so interesting, like the different quality of the images you produce when the images are not the priority, you know? Yeah. Because like if we were vlogging, then we would, you know, like really see what we were doing through the lens of your GoPro or through the lens of your, like, you know, we like the eye would be on composition and color. And is this frame telling enough of a story for it in X, Y, Z? Yeah. But we weren't about the story. It's like, this is our first trip since a lot of changes in our lives. And it was a trip that I think we both just like really needed. Yeah. Just to reset, um, I'd actually just kind of anchor the beginning, I think, of something new. But there's a lot of like constantly moving pieces that's been happening to us in the past like two years. Yeah. And we haven't taken a trip um, on purpose to kind of like allow for some of that constantly shifting stuff. And to me, this trip was like a necessary reclaiming grounding of like you and me were we deserve some kind of joy yeah and i think that's probably what inspired us both to like not make any of this about other people and you and me experiencing things together was the purpose so anytime i pulled my phone out i felt like i was choosing something different than just being in a moment with you and me together mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, I don't know. I had yeah. a really great trip. No, I felt the same way. And like now that you mentioned it, I think that's also a big reason why I didn't bring the camera with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, the moment I start recording with the camera, it takes me out of the moment. And then in some ways it's like you have to like perform for the camera instead of like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we're just naturally doing already. Um, and yeah, like we haven't been on a trip in over a year since we took this trip and I just wanted to enjoy it and not make more work out of it. Right. Because, you know, I think like for me, I've been working a lot like through, you know, up until our wedding and then even after our wedding, like just constantly doing work and throughout that entire time, like we haven't had a trip. And now that we're finally having a trip, like I really wanted to have a trip, (laughs) you know, and not like turn that into work too, because it's like, oh, I'm I'm, like working on this video. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when I am recording videos, it doesn't give me energy. It takes energy away from me because it's something that is not natural uh, to what I would be doing anyway. Like, you know, flipping a camera on myself is like, like takes energy out of me. It's not like hey, like, this is what I want to be doing when I'm on vacation, you know? That's interesting. So, yeah. I I find myself surprised at that last thought you had because I feel that in the past, when we have recorded our trips, it felt pretty natural. And it felt like... I think the... the um, The underlying, like... Sorry, let me pause for a second to find the words. I think that the general vibe of the vlogs in the past is that you and I were already doing something we were enjoying and the camera was just little snippets of capturing things that were already happening. So I never felt performative and I never felt like a camera was interrupting what we were doing and I also wasn't aware that it felt like work and drained energy from you Mm. well I think it's only when I turn it around on myself Uh, and try to like narrate what's happening Um, because I purposefully it's in my style to like make it as much as like not to disrupt what's happening so a lot of the footage I do record is like literally like hey this is happening like give me the easiest camera that I have in my pocket that I could press the record Mm. button on and do it. But the moment I'm like, oh, I should explain what's happening. Like you break that third wall. Exactly. And you're like, hello, audience. Yeah, and then I flip the camera and then now I like, you know, have to like change, you know, how I feel in the moment to like just describe what's happening. Like I think that's been my challenge with vlogging is whenever I like start to edit a video, I'm like, oh, it would have been nice if I like explain what was happening instead of it just being like this montage Mm. of whatever. Or, you know, I think for example, when I did the Banff video, I did just record a bunch of random snippets, but then afterwards I like, you know, sat down in the living room and like re-narrated everything that was going on to connect all the clips together because they're just disparate random clips of what was going on. So I think that's the, that's the difference where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get taken out of the moment, the moment I need to flip that camera on myself and start talking about what we're doing. But I also feel like it's better to like talk about what you're doing like as soon as it's happening. That way you capture everything versus later on. I think that's like another thing I wanted to bring up about like blogging because our Pacific Northwest trip happened two weeks ago now. Three weeks ago. And I'm like still writing up stuff that happened on some of the days. And I think the longer that gap becomes from when the thing happened to like now when you're like writing about it, 
you start losing stuff like i'm already like forgetting like things that I'm, I'm like asking you about oh like do you remember like this or that and it's much better to like write it as soon as it happens and there's no better time to do it like at the immediate moment that it's happening is to like talk about what's i don't happening. know i would actually argue that stopping to write something in the moment does take you out of the moment it does but um so that's kind of why you know on on like our trip plan like on our trip notes um i just have bullet points of like the places that we visited that i like it's it doesn't take me out of the moment to just be like you know uh midtown beer garden you know like i for that that's like as far as i want to go in the moment Mm -hmm. so that we have like a point of reference but and I'm I glad you did that because yeah. I had to ask you, like, what was the name of that yeah. like place that we went to? And yeah. you had it because you, like, wrote it down. But if we stopped to be like, hey, you know, this is what we did. This, I, mm-hmm. I do think that would have pulled you out of the moment for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I like that. I mean, I, I was actually right before we were, we were talking, I was looking up an old blog post I made. It's, like, on Medium now. And it was about, like, writing things down. And this is kind of with the caveat that I am not like a note taker at all but it's funny that I wrote this post and I feel like I don't I haven't really followed it up until this point but now that I'm writing these blogs I'm like coming back to it and Mm. remembering it and there was this quote that I wrote in that post where it said I'm writing to remember it now Uh, I'm not writing this down to remember it later I'm writing it down to remember it now and I wrote a little like metaphor anecdote about what that meant to me and the metaphor I brought up was Uh, like when you have dreams right we always talk to each other about what our dreams are like the moment we we wake up and then I think for you some of the dreams that are memorable to you you like immediately start to write it down down. like if you wake up at 3 a.m and you just had like this crazy dream you like take your phone out and you write it down like within minutes it's gone exactly so you're like writing it down to remember it now not to like remember it later Mm. um and the other metaphor I had was like I told you how I enjoyed Um, subway rides because I get all these like great ideas the funny thing is I don't I never write it down like as the idea is like formulating in my brain I just let it sit there and then I just think about it for think about it for the rest of the day and I never write it down and then by the end of the day I like lose some of those ideas because I didn't write it down Mm. so I guess what I'm saying is like it's great to write things down like when things happen otherwise there's a possibility you might lose it because the longer that time goes from when you experience something or see something from mm. to when you write it down like the higher the likelihood you're going to lose a piece of it. Hmm. I I'm I'm having that moment where like five doors open my head open in my head while you're talking. I, I find it really interesting because the way our memories work, like I'm a compulsive note taker because I know if I don't write it down, I will lose it. And I I kind of, you know, my excuse is that I'm constantly like I'm like a, I'm, you know, there's super tasters. I'm like a super observer. Like I, I'm constantly looking at the details of stuff. And I don't know if that's necessarily because of like the artist in me that's like, always really fascinated at like the particular like color of red under a leaf and how it curls and my brain will remember that so that I can draw it later or it's the writer in me that like tries to find words for the way that the sun like whatever I'm constantly looking at details and my brain is constantly making connections to things I've read or things I heard and so in order to make 
like room, I don't store data because <laughs> I'm constantly processing new data. Yeah. So like, you know, if I'm having a meeting, I'm like a transcriber. I have, I always have a notepad. I can type without looking at the keyboard. Words come in and leave through my fingers and, you know, and if I don't do that, it's like gone. And um, I'm not really sure why that came up right now. Oh, and, and the other thought that came to mind is that all throughout my childhood, I, I, I wrote so much that I thought I was going to be a writer. I was, I always had notebooks. I was always, always blogging. And the, and the thing is though, is that like my writing was a means to an end, like meaning that like I would write to process information and make sense of the world in high school because I was like identities and like relationships and all of these things were happening and I wouldn't write to archive or document. Some of these were really difficult parts of my life. Like I don't want to remember them, but I would instead write to create like a linear um, or just to, just to make sense of things. Yeah, it's funny because I'm the opposite and now I'm like connecting it to what I basically said about capturing and it takes me out of the moment. This is exactly like my approach to note taking in school. Like when I went into, when I was in high school and even college, I was the person who never took, there's nothing on my desk. And when the teacher was teaching, I was intently listening to what they were saying, what they're showing on the board, but I wasn't taking notes down on a notepad because Whenever I did try to do that, I'd be focusing on the words that I'm writing. Like I'm literally just copying what they're saying, but I'm not mm. processing. It's the opposite of you. You're writing to process. But when I write, I'm not processing at all. That's interesting. And I found it like I never learn anything when I take notes because huh. then I'll be like, oh, I'm only like thinking about the words, but I don't know like why they're adding these two numbers up or they're, mm. they're doing these things because I wasn't paying attention. I was li literally just writing down what they were writing down on the board. And I think that like directly translates to what I was saying where if we're on a trip and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I need to document this, then I'm going to be like, wait, what is actually happening in front of me? Because yeah. I'm like so focused on like getting the frame in the camera or like whatever. So uh, that was just like an interesting revelation to me. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm super fascinated by this. I, I think I had this kind of, awakening where it's like the writing is just the byproduct for me <laughs> you know what I mean like it, I, like I don't know that I okay no I'm gonna take that back because that actually very much uh minimizes like some of the beautiful writing that I did and sometimes still do but um but I, I just think it's so interesting how different we are in that aspect like I need I yeah. write in order to process and I write I feel like, you know, the image coming to mind is like, you know, when you're like when you're driving and you're, you know, you're using all this gas and then like there's like the, the steam that comes out. Like I almost feel like the like the writing is my like uh, I don't really know where writing falls in that metaphor, but I, I have to write mm -hmm. in order to anchor and make sense of my experience. And because of writing, I have a clear picture. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think the way that I'm, I'm processing this in my head is that like, you are writing to like move things forward. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
when I write or I document, it's like after it something you. has happened just yeah. so I could like log huh. what had happened. Whereas like you actually need writing to make a, the thing happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like we were talking the other day about running and how like when you run, you run for the for the numbers. Like Yeah, you... like I try to increase my or uh, decrease my time. I'm like trying to get better performance. Yeah. And so like you hate running in the morning because your performance is worse. So you, you it doesn't add value or doesn't like ach- help you achieve your goal. But I run to kickstart my brain, to process. I run for mental health. I run for dopamine. I, so for me, the running is the process and I can't, like the numbers actually hinder me. Yeah. So I just feel like we're almost like, I'm like the, like I, I'm like in the middle gray area and you're in like your bookended, like the black and white area. And it's, it's so fascinating how we approach the same thing. So like oppositely. Yeah. Um, but somehow create art in the process still create at the end of the day but i think it's it's great because yeah i think yeah my whole revelation with the writing is i want to write to yeah remember things that happen but i don't want it to consume Mm. the active thing that i'm doing right now you know i wonder i've been i've been really struggling with writing um again i keep wanting to come back to it i really miss blogging and we've tried to start variations of blogging in, in different ways and i just started a Substack recently which also you know for the past three weeks i haven't been back to and that that grappling of writing for audience versus writing for self always comes back and the whole thing about turning the camera on yourself interrupting like a, a very like a flow state actually is really fascinating and to me kind of shows up in this writing process for me as well it's one thing for me to be in a flow state with writing and then just publish it at the end but it's another to feel like i'm writing for an audience and in in a lot of ways when i'm in front of like a blank like a you know screen um like a substack or whatever it feels as if i've turned the camera onto myself and have no idea all of a sudden what to say so that's something I'm I'm gonna be thinking about when you know I'm gonna try to write another post this weekend. But um, how does one write for an audience? Because uh, I what I also loved about blogging was the community and the conversations and the relationships that I built with the blogging. But all the blogs I see now are like think pieces for an audience and that's not like i don't i don't know how i feel about that yeah so i feel very stuck it's yeah it's tough so because like i think when it comes to writing for an audience and like if you're writing to get views or writing to get comments or things like that that affects what you write about yeah um it's almost like uh as a designer like designing for a client versus designing something for yourself uh you're like when you're designing for a client or you're designing for like performance, which is like what product design is, like you're not, you're, you're kind of like gaming an algorithm or mm-hmm. something like this. You're writing for some sort of algorithm and not for what you're naturally feeling like within yourself at the moment. I feel like to bring it back to writing, when I was writing uh, my book on design, I was working with a publisher, a really well-known publisher. And a lot of the ideas and concepts that I had in my head that I wanted to share were like, like I, I don't like 
like reiterating stuff that's that everybody's saying you know everybody's like oh design thinking like you know i there's always like the same exact like five-step process everybody's like writing about like define hypothesize empathize whatever but the things i like to write about are more like philosophical like a different way of thinking about things but then the publisher in like the editing phase was like hey like you know we like to write we we like books that include a lot of examples to like talk about your idea but like you know apply it to a bunch of examples that are out there already and then i was kind of in this like hole of like but the concept that i'm talking about is like new like it's a different lens to like Mm. look at things by and i can't just say like oh this is how my theory like applied in this happening right now in this Mm. live example and I think publishers always, I think if you work for any publisher, they're always going to tell you like, use examples, use case studies, like, you know, stuff that you could like, that people could relate to. And that kind of drives the writing. Whereas, you know, whatever, what you want to write about, like you need to then shoehorn it into that lens of like what the publisher knows works mm. for the audience. Um, I attended a talk recently with Michael Michael Beirut. Michael Beirut. Beirut. Michael Beirut, um, who's like a well-loved graphic designer, and at the talk that he gave, he had a sentence about like the difference between design and art, and essentially he was saying that like clients is the difference between design and art. If you don't have clients, you're just making art, in a way. Yeah. And I think. I think the grappling here is that like, you know, not necessarily to speak on like your experience with the book, but just to kind of take it a little bit back with like work that you make for yourself versus work that you make for other people. I do think that there's something to be said about what we produce as art versus as like a product. Yeah. So. When I was thinking about my frustrations with like working with clients, um, I drew this. Di- it was funny. I drew this diagram because I wanted to make a YouTube video like explaining my thought process. But it was funny because my diagram was helping me process my own thoughts about it. Um, but since I've been freelancing and working for clients, or even when I'm working in house for a company, like when I'm working for a client, I end up designing for their tastes and their preferences, and I like lose my own identity, my own like mm-hmm. taste and my own preferences. But when I was working with like graphic designers, right? Or like there are certain artists where you like their style of art. <laughs> and I wanted to find a way to start figuring out like what what does it mean to create something for myself that I like? and then get clients interested in buying that Mm. versus like finding a client and then being like, hey, what do you want? I'll design whatever you want and you pay me for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because whenever you do that, whenever you go to a client, you're like, hey, tell me whatever you like and I'll like design to your preferences. It's not like fulfilling work. Like I think the ideal type of work you you wanna find as a designer or even as an artist, like even if you're just sitting in a room just like creating only art that you like, I think you want to find that Venn diagram of creating whatever you like and finding a way for clients to like want to buy the stuff that you just naturally Mm -hmm. like for yourself. Yeah. Um, And, you know, 
people are going to argue with me because it's like clients are always right and you like you, you always need to make the clients happy but at the same time like the more clients like you, you know the clients aren't the designers so the more you just let them micromanage you to like move this there or move that there like that's not good anything <laughs> you know so i don't know where i'm going with this but it's like to me it's a combination of both you need to like design stuff that you like but then also find the overlap of like, all right, what are the things that I like and what pieces of that are things that clients like or what, what pieces of that are things that your audience mm. likes? So I guess to bring it full circle back to the journals, it's like I'm writing these things for myself, right? But I'm sure there's going to be an overlap like by making it public, people that are going to read it, the thing they're going to get out of it is like, oh, I should try all these restaurants that you guys tried out. Mm. Or I should try this trail that you guys went on because these are awesome pictures that you took of it. And I'm not, the thing is when I'm, when we go on these trips and we do all this stuff, I'm not picking the restaurants. Because thinking, like, oh, yeah, they're going to love like, it. Like, yeah, we're going to eat at, at this restaurant. We're going to eat at Sorel because I know my friends are going to like love all the photos and stuff. I'm going to take it. Like, that's not why we chose the restaurant we chose mm. the restaurant because we saw the things there was like oh we both naturally like thought that was our vibe <laughs> right so. yeah i think i'm almost what i'm what i'm also taking away from this too is is like how important it is let's let's bring back that image of a venn diagram how important it is that in your world you're still making art that's just for you and that like the overlap doesn't over completely overwhelm that art circle because i think that's when your identity starts to kind of fizzle away and you become like very unsatisfied and um but it it feels really important to make sure you're carving out you know that part of the circle that's just art and not overlapping with clients which gets so so much harder to do in a world where you're passion is your career and you know you have to make money to pay rent and like where yeah. do you have time to create that art and you know what i see a lot on with on the artist accounts i follow like i follow probably like 2000 people on instagram like don't have more followers than people you follow no like i get so much inspiration from these folks but i think a lot of what i what i might see this is armchair armchair psychology is like that sliver of the venn diagram that works with people like just you know they they create that frequently and they put that out because they know that's what works and then they also introduce their own art and their own etc like the dream for me why i never went into art as a career despite going to like like really prestigious art schools for most of my childhood is that i could not like figure out where I would thrive in that space of art for a client versus art for myself. And I was like a really rebellious, you know, like identity and autonomy was incredibly important for me and it, it still is. So like back when I was like a rebel, like nah, like, like ah, the patriarchy, like back when I was like that kind of um, teenager, to fathom the idea of making art for other people was just, or like the the idea of making art for other people was unfathomable to me. Yeah. Um, it's still something I grapple with today. The dream is to make your own art and have people pay you for it. Yeah. 
you that know is, that's the dream for everyone but the creator's dream yeah you need to also create something that is desired by other yeah. people if you want to make money off right it. if you want to make it a career there has to be some subset of your art not has to be take this with a grain of salt but it but there likely has to be a subset of your art that is like somewhat market tested that you know people want that's easy and scalable for you to produce that um doesn't consume all of you and then the rest of your joy is making the art you love to make and hope that those two things feed each other yeah you know is that the end of the podcast i guess <laughs> did we conclude our our train of thought good talk thank you all right see you next week <laughs>